are listening to KC Sports Network. Proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Coming up, Benny Heisler brings you the latest episode of Benny and the Bets, the sports betting show here at KC Sports Network. From props to spreads and everything in between, your sports betting show focused on our local teams is right here. So let's begin the show. What is good, everybody? Welcome in to Benny and the Bets, presented by our good friends over at PXG. If you have not had the PXG custom fitting experience, uh, I would run, I would sprint, I would do whatever you possibly can to uh, enjoy that because it is 75% off. You can visit their store over in Overland Park. Uh, contact Alex. She's the absolute best. Got me fitted. Clubs are actually sitting right there. Um, and if I'm able to hit them, then you'll be able to hit them. So please go check them out. Please uh, support a, a brand new friend of the show. Also a new friend of the show uh, is that of Sam Wagman. You can follow his work in a variety of spots, most in particular as the uh content strategy and betting analyst for the Game Day HQ. He's also a contributor for football guys and for high floor football. Uh, really good and really uh, smart golf analyst as well. But uh, I I always enjoy my, my social conversations with Sam. And now I'm excited to finally bring him on the show. Get us ready for the start of NFL season by taking an early look at the prop market for season-long player futures. What's up, Sammy? It's good to see you. I'm doing well, man. And, uh, you know, obviously this is not the first time we've talked this week. We're also competing against each other in the Scott Fish Bowl this year. You know, that's, that was a nice, uh, nice by chance to, uh, to see that happen. But yeah, man, it's, it's a month before, before the NFL season really starts. And I always, I always conflate like when everyone does their fantasy football drafts with like the true start of the NFL season. And that, that's typically what happens the last week of August. So it really feels like we're just about there. It's been a long, it's been a long four, four and a half, five months since the Eagles got uh, got their ass kicked in the Super Bowl. But uh, we are we are ready to go, and um, I'm happy to dive into uh, some season long player prop bets with you. By the way, just to to show the the type of professionalism, uh, <laughs> we're willing to come on the Kansas City Sports Network uh, amidst all the Chiefs content, the high quality Chiefs content that we have on this channel. Uh, you, the Eagles fan, willing to uh, put the fandom aside uh, to be able to help out the, the good folks here uh, in Kansas City and the surrounding area. I I appreciate that from you, and I hope everybody else does. Yeah, I I like to my I like to think of myself as as a uh, as a big man, and I'm able to move past that and show that there's no hard feeling be over the turf and anything like that. So, <laughs> see, I, I can't help myself. No, 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 and. And you know what? As an Eagles fan, I would expect nothing less. There, there needs to be a little bit of that that jab thrown in just a tad. By the way, you mentioned the, the Scott Fishbowl. For anybody that that's unfamiliar uh, with what Scott Fishbowl is, it's basically become this massive premier fantasy football tournament within the fantasy football industry. Uh, anything from from fantasy football analysts to um, celebrities that are a part of it. And then also a plenty of, of guests and regular fantasy football players as well. There's thousands of people that participate, and it's all with uh, the opportunity to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. Uh, and it's a slow draft, um, which I've personally been responsible for over in our league, in the, in the high noon league. You have eight hours to make a selection between picks because it goes over the, the course of several weeks. Now, you don't have to use all the eight hours, but... Uh, sometimes when the alerts don't show up on your phone and you're kind of screwing around and 
you're not really prepared as you should be for fantasy football drafts. Uh, sometimes you'll at the time uh, start to tick away, but uh, always great if you saw hashtag SFB13 as you get a chance to see what everybody's doing. But uh, a wonderful time and uh, excited to be able to compete with you uh, in the Scott Fish Bowl this year. So I kind of want to break this up into sort of 1A and mostly 1B. The 1B will be actually going over a handful of the futures that we've already placed for the start of the NFL season. Training camp, of course, right around the corner. But I, I always like to start when I'm talking with guests, particularly those in the betting industry, about how they go about their process. What sort of indicators are they looking for, whether it be for day of bets, whether it be for season long? So kind of walk me through what you're looking for initially when some of these future bets are ultimately released by the books. Do you have your own projections that you're going off of? Are you looking for discrepancy to be able to shop the better line between the books? Where, where do you start? And talk me through a little bit about what you're looking for. Yeah, so you know, futures, futures are a little bit of an interesting animal because um, the books release these lines with, you know, they, they, they make the odds seem so attackable. And, you know, because I was going over a list of, of lines on DraftKings before the show, and I was looking at some of the, some of the quarterback passing lines. And I was thinking to myself, man, some of these just, they, some of these seem so easy and it, you know, it wouldn't take much for them to miss. And, uh, I got to thinking, you know, what do the books try to get out of posting these lines early? They're trying to get people who are hyped for a new football season to buy into these lines and bet the overs because let's face it, nobody wants to bet an under, um, so the first thing I look for is in season long futures is typically whether a line seems priced correctly or not. And, you know, that, that, that could be a variety of things, you know, how the player did last year, did the team bring in any, any new options and, you know, in the, uh, in the facet of the game that they're in, uh, what's the coaching like there, you know, what trajectory are those players on? And, you know, once we go by that, um, it, it gets pretty easy to narrow things down. But mostly, what I what I'm betting what I'm betting season long futures, I'm looking for places I can bet unders on and really kind of feel good about myself because unders hit nearly sixty percent of the time on season long futures, and there's so many ways that you can get you can get an under to hit. Injury is obviously the simplest way, but making a trade at the trade deadline, a coach not working out the way they're supposed to, uh, you know, a scheme not fitting that player particularly well a player becoming disgruntled in season. There's so many different things that can throw off a player's season just a little bit. And that's all you really need for some of these, uh, for some of these numbers to miss. Cause look, the, the books are not stupid. They don't build all those fancy buildings out in Las Vegas by losing, uh, losing bets to, you know, to players. And obviously you got a lot of casual betters. Most, you know, 90% of bettors are going to be casual bettors who are betting straight overs across the board. Yeah, it's going to be the stupidest thing that you do as a sports better is only look to bet overs because you're you're really just you're you're kicking yourself out of finding so much value in betting some unders. Like for instance, I said 60% of total unders hit. If you bet blind player prop unders across the board last year, you would have hit at a nearly 61% rate. So there, there's so many ways to do it. Quarterback passing props in particular are one of my favorite ways to get different and bet unders. 
Unders hit at a nearly 73% rate there last year. And that that's uh, that was compiled by my buddy Connor Allen over at 4 for 4 one of the best in this business of sports betting. But there's just so many different ways to do it. So for me, I'm, I'm looking for a lot of discrepancies, mispriced lines. And then after that, I really want to see, you know, what what do I get out of this? You know, can, what is the likelihood that this actually hits? And what is the, you know, how many factors do I have to take into account? What, you know, how many things need to go wrong for this to go right for me? And and from there, it's it's a pretty straight straight road. I, I think that's fantastic advice to be able to separate yourself from maybe where your gut reaction tells you is something that's going to occur versus the actual reality of the situation. You brought up the, the number from Connor Allen, who's also a friend of the show. He came in and joined us during draft time. Um, that That's an amazing statistic. And if we started the sort of the quarterback level, and I'll get, I'll get more into that in a second, but I think you have an advantage as somebody who is also writing, creating content in the fantasy space for player props as well. I've always said that is someone who went from fantasy into sports betting and has much more of an interest in sort of the overwhelming arc of sports betting more so than fantasy now is the, the prop market is essentially the same thing as your, as your fantasy projections. You're just now, instead of going up against other people, you're playing it against the house and the numbers in which you're given. So the fact that you're already doing a lot of fantasy research in the early portion of the offseason how does that weigh in for your preparation when it comes to trying to make some of these evaluations as well? Yeah, it definitely plays a massive part. I've always I've always come to that conclusion myself that fantasy football and sports betting really go hand in hand with each other. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense to take, you know, there's so many um there's not just free there's not just paid uh paid fantasy resources that'll help you with your prop betting skills out there. There's there's many free resources as well. But you know, I go I go into a lot of the a lot of the tools that these sites offer. Use the analytic data that they go in. You know, that's released early in the off season, and really kind of use that to tailor any early bets that I make. And I, I think it's so important to have a healthy blend of not just stats, but also a narrative basis that you know a lot of fantasy players are very fond of using to you know to kind of conflate the two together because I really do think at the end of the day they do go so well hand in hand that most of the time your stats if they back up your if they back up your narrative you're really going to be in a good place no doubt and think about it from the perspective of when you're creating say a daily fantasy lineup you're looking at teams that play and operate at a faster pace certainly you know when I think about basketball that's one of the key builds when it comes to understanding a proper DFS build. Um, you're looking at whether or not the the players that you're drafting, um, whether or not they tend to be a run-heavy team late in games. Are they often ahead as opposed to dealing with a, a rough, below-average defense where they're likely going to have to play catch-up and whether or not that adds more of an opportunity for yards. You know, I, I thought about somebody like, one of my favorite bets last year was the over on Jared Goff's passing yards in Detroit. I think it was listed at about $34.99 and a half. And he obliterated that. Mm-hmm. I hammered the over on that. And trust me, I, I had plenty of misses as well. But but golf was probably my biggest offseason bet because of the fact that you knew Detroit was going to be a very pass-dominated offense, that while the defense was improving, they were still not quite there yet. 
And they were going to be a fast-paced team. A lot of quick passes, a lot of speed within that lineup. And Goff ended up finishing the season with 4,438 passing yards, which I believe put him sixth uh, uh, amongst quarterbacks last season. So those are the other components as well. Um, are there any sort of outside stats? You mentioned some of the different free options that people can go and look up information at. Where, where are, are some resources besides, obviously, where you're working over at the game day? Um, what do you typically like to use? And maybe is there a few other stats that when you're looking at player props, you say to yourself, this is something that I have to go to right from the very beginning to make sure that my evaluation is correct? Yeah, for me, uh, one of the most common stats I use uh, we can start at quarterbacks because you know that's what we've been discussing. But a big thing for me is is how deep they throw and how often they throw deep, because a lot of times that's going to be a huge differentiator between whether you can whether you can attack an over under in passing yards. So you know, for someone like Daniel Jones, who I am taking the under on this year at thirty three hundred point five pass yards, uh, it's something he's never hit in his career before, and. He threw downfield at the lowest number in the league last year. So despite the fact that he had his highest career passing yards, and obviously when you go from Jason Garrett to D to Brian Dayball as your coordinator and coach, you're going to see you know a little bit of an uptick in your offensive efficiency. But I really don't see Daniel Jones having much of a higher um, passing ceiling than what he did last year, given the fact that they really didn't add anyone on the offensive side of the ball besides Darren Waller, who has his own complete set of issues, injury issues, that you know people are kind of choosing to push by the wayside a little bit when baking that into player props. You know, It was pretty simple for me to go and click the under on Daniel Jones because, like you said before, if you blind bet these quarterback passing unders, especially the ambiguous ones, they'll hit it at a nearly 70% rate. So... It, it seems it seems very simple for me to collate the two uh, downfield pass any downfield passing stats that you can find throwing into danger interceptable passes thrown which you can find over at a site like Player Profiler for free St stats like those are something that I look at for quarterbacks and um, there's other there's other sites around I, I would say the most the most frequent sites that I've been using um, apart from the brand new Fantasy Points data which I think is an incredibly powerful data suite of tools football guys as well with all their stats and advanced stats that we have over there um as well as player profilers one of the most common common databases i use we're talking with our guy sam wagman he is with the game day hq he's also a contributor for football guys and high floor football all of it you can find on twitter as well and he is on twitter at swagman 95 or you can also go with swagman 95 do you have a preference when you're when you're Given out your Twitter profile, do you go with the Swagman ninety five or S Wagman ninety five? Yeah, at, at the beginning of my my career in this space, I, I kind of was a little bit hesitant to go with it. It's been my Twitter profile or my Twitter handle since I got on the platform like thirteen years ago, and I never I never really cared to change it. Um, lately, I've just been going with Swagman ninety five. I mean that that's how it's spelled. Uh, everyone seems to want to so, seems to want to use that anyways, and uh, more power more power to everyone else. So Listen, I I love the fact that you feel like you had to to earn the title of Swagman, but uh, you put in enough. Time I still don't think it. I've earned it. I oh, still don't think I've earned it. See, I, I I need I need that Philadelphia swagger to come <laughs> back up. I I need you to own this for the rest of the show. We are going to take a quick break. On the other side, I'm going to start Sam off 
by looking a little bit more locally focused with some of the props, whether or not Mahomes' yardage might be a little bit too high this year. Is Travis Kelsey likely to be able to keep up his extraordinary numbers? And then we'll go from local into more national plays and some of the ones that Sam has already placed for the start of 2022. Stay with us. You are listening to Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, everybody. Sam Wagman is with us here on Benny and the Bets today as we're starting the process with training camp just around the corner, going through some of our favorite props for the entire season. I do want to start on a local level, and you have to start here in Kansas City um, with Patrick Mahomes. The The numbers continue to be exceptional. We're talking about two MVPs, uh, led the NFL last year uh, in passing yards by right around 500 over Justin Herbert, averaged 8.1 yards per attempt, also had a wide lead in touchdowns, 41 to just 12 interceptions. Uh, when you're looking at Mahomes as a candidate to uh, lead the NFL in passing yards, uh, or if you're looking at his overall prop numbers for the season as well, are are books likely going off the line that they expect him to obliterate it? Is he somebody that you look at and say this is you know anywhere between 4650 40, and 4800? It seems like a fairly wide list, but again, we talked about unders here. Is there any sort of scenario other than injury that you see Mahomes going below if we're looking for the best number out there, 4,800 passing yards this year? I actually could see that. And, you know, it's it, surprising. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but it comes from the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster. And the only reason I say it is because with Juju in town, you kind of had... You know, he's going to catch like a guaranteed 750 to 900 yards, which if I'm remembering correctly, caught around 900, uh, 900 yards. But and, and that obviously helped. He went, I believe he went over 5,200 last year, but there's no juju in town this year. They drafted a rookie in, in Rashi Rice, who's could be talented, but is pretty raw. Sky Moore, who let's face it, didn't really show anything at all last year, despite the high pedigree with the draft capital. Um, nobody's saying that Travis Kelsey is going to decline anytime soon, but at some point he's going to decline sometime soon. So all of those things, and I, I'm not saying it's completely written in stone that Mahomes will not go over his totals. And I'm looking at DraftKings as obviously the higher end of the spectrum at 4,800. Yeah, but if I had to bet, I would probably take the under forty eight hundred, um, simply because we're betting we're betting against you know we're we're betting in odds here, and you know the odds are a little bit more likely that Mahomes would go under, and it's not I don't think it's a number that he's hit. He's hit it once or he's hit it twice outside of last season. Correct. Obviously the end the the first season in twenty eighteen where he you know just came out on the scene. Nobody was prepared for him. Nobody had really ever scouted him because he had only played week 17 the year before. So you got to give the NFL a pass on that year. That doesn't really count when we're when we're taking things into account. And then the other year that he did that 
was 2021, and he went over by 39 yards. He had 4,839 passing yards. But he also threw the ball the most times he had in his career last year, and then he dipped you know, a little bit in attempts last year. So what we'll ta- we have to take into account that Mahomes – Really, you know, his ceiling obviously is is in the five thousand range. Nobody is nobody is denying that at all. But for me, I would probably feel a little bit safer if I was betting um, Mahomes is under rather than is over. And obviously, that would scare the bejesus out of me because I don't think anybody wants to bet on Patrick Mahomes not being Patrick Mahomes. So, but I do think he's gonna he's not gonna play as much hero ball as he did last year. Remember, that was his first year without Tyreek Hill. Probably, you know, experimented a little bit. We saw all those no-look passes. We saw a lot of those deep crossers throwing the ball from one one the right side of the field to the left side of the field all the way across his body. Um, I don't know if we see him, you know, take as many chances as he did last year. He ranked in, he ranked in the top 10 in the NFL in danger throws and interceptable passes both of which are, are kind of red flags for me. Maybe maybe Andy told him to, you know, cut it out a little bit this year. So, uh if if I'm taking if I'm taking a stance here, I'm taking the under, but I would be staying far far away from this uh on either side because nothing nothing scares me like betting against patch problems. So, one more on Mahomes really quickly because I think it does relate to the rest of the league. He is the current favorite to lead the NFL in most passing yards, the, the best odds you can find right now are at plus 400. Really no surprise there. The number is even lower to lead the NFL in most passing touchdowns. Best number that I've seen on the board currently lands at plus 300 or three to one. Which of those would you be more inclined to find value to go against Mahomes? Do you believe it's more likely to happen in passing yardage or in passing touchdowns from somebody else to go ahead and overtake him as um, are do, are we are we including most passing yards or or just regular passing yardage? Just no, I'm, passing I'm I'm talking purely from up. Who's going to be at the top of the list to lead the NFL in either most passing yards or most touchdowns thrown? Because Mahomes is the odds-on favorite across the board in both of them. So the, right. the question then becomes, who is more likely to pass him in one of those categories? Where which category would you feel more comfortable betting against Mahomes as the favorite? I think I would be a little more comfortable betting against Mahomes in the passing yardage category. I would agree. Um, I, I think, you know, prime guys that are sitting right there, Justin Justin Herbert in a Kellen Moore-led offense with a brand new deep target in Quentin Johnston, uh, a healthy Keenan Allen, a healthy Mike Williams, a, uh, a pissed-off Austin Eckler. So I, I think that's probably the main thing there. I actually bet against Mahomes in the most passing yardage category by taking a guy who's not even in the, you know, in the top in the in the top five of most passing yards. But we can get into that when we break down uh, some of my prop bets. But yeah, I, I think if it was there, I'd feel more comfortable that he won't get there in yardage rather than whether he'd get there in touchdowns because He's just one of the best red zone quarterbacks that we've ever seen. And I think there was a point last year that the Chiefs went to the red zone nearly every single time and scored nearly every single time. It was insane just to be able to to have that type of consistency. And you're right, like there was elements of hero ball throughout the course of the season. And 
just when you kind of thought he would need to slow down, it, it never really occurred. Uh, you know, I think about that that five touchdown game for, for Kelsey last year, which leads me right into him. Um, we're looking at somebody in Kelsey for this year with a receiving touchdown prop of nine and a half. Um, as far as actual receiving yards, uh, Kelsey comes in once again uh, at 1,050 is the the best line that I'm seeing for receiving yards. Remember, this is somebody um, who has been above that 1,000 yard mark for several years in a row now. And even at the age of 33, uh, does not appear to be slowing down. Yeah. Are you still looking at Kelsey in the same type of realm as in previous seasons where uh, you look at that type of number. If you want to go under, I suppose you can. The best number that I'm seeing out there to take the under on Kelsey is at 1,149 and a half. So we're talking about a, a difference of roughly 100 yards from the lowest number that's on the board to the highest. But give me your overall impressions on Kelsey, whether or not the the touchdown number or the yardage number might be something you're either looking to go over or under. Yeah, I, I think touchdowns are a lot more fluky. I think if you have to go somewhere, it, it's typically there. The problem is with Kelsey, it's so uncomfortable to bet unders on him because you know he's he's the guy that makes the engine of that offense run outside of Mahomes. You know that um, probably 30% of the targets at a minimum are going to him. And it, it's just no, nothing makes sense. Uh, to where you can really bet an under with him. He's he's a, another one of those guys where it's a complete stay away. If you if you're not if you're not confident, uh, it's it's just a stay away from me because like we saw, you know, we saw that game. He had like he had like thirty yards and he had five touchdowns. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. Some of the things he does, he's just there always on the goal line. They mix up all these trick plays with him, and you know he he'll he could have three two-yard scores. He could also have a 70-yard score. Neither is shocking, and neither neither surprises us anymore. So uh, for me, if I had to bet something, it would be touchdowns. I think yardage, he's just always going to get there. Like you said, he's been over 1,000 yards in seven straight seasons. Uh, it really doesn't seem like he's slowing down at this point. It, it might happen in the next couple of years. I still don't think it's this year. 11 and a half heavily juiced to the over for the Chiefs win total this year. You got to go with the over once again, don't you? I think so. <laughs> I think so. They're just they're just the be- they're just the best team and they're the best coach team. It uh as the AFC continues to get stronger, I'll continue to I'll continue to look for ways to creatively fade the Chiefs. That might be the best way to do it is is if they they just They've showed they showed last year they could get into a few weird spots. There was that game against the Texans where they nearly blew the entire game there. You know, they, they were Broncos too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the, so, yeah, weird weird stuff yeah. happens with this team from time to time. Yeah. So there are there's an uh, there's a there's a scenario where the Chiefs only win ten games this year. There's a scenario where the Chiefs win eleven games and still miss this total. So if you want to get creative and bet against the Chiefs, I don't recommend it. But I would do I would do it at a spot where their two best players don't have a true impact on to, on the number. The last time the Chiefs did not exceed uh, eleven and a half wins, you have to go all the way back to 2017. That was the final year that um, Alex Smith was under center for that call. They won ten and six, uh, lost in the wild card game. 
But after that, 12 wins, 12 wins, 14, 12, and five. So five consecutive years of clearing that 11 and a half win total. And then the year before, they also won 11 uh, in 2015. So a remarkably consistent bunch. Part of the reason that the uh, number is juiced heavily to the over. Uh, but I think if they if they put that number to Sam at 12 and a half, I, I think you have to do under at that point. Oh, absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me that if they just get so much money on the over, if you see that number at some books even move to 12. So I, I think right now, no matter how juiced it is, I mean, obviously do it at, at, at a level and a number that you feel comfortable with. But you know, I'm seeing minus 120. I'm seeing minus 130, one, minus 140. I, I think that's still a reasonable number uh, for a team that has hit this number in five consecutive years for that number. We are going to take one final break. On the other side, we are going to transition away from Chiefs props into some of Sam's favorite season-long props for the rest of the NFL. He's going to give us some of his favorites. We'll weigh in. Stay with us. You are listening to Benny and the Bets, presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We are back at it with Sam Wagman on Benny and the Bets today, going over some of our favorite props for the NFL. Um, I should mention, too, we just talked about Travis Kelsey. If you are going to be a part of the Kansas City uh, Sports Network golf tournament, which is coming up uh, at the end of the month, the uh, final Saturday of the month, uh, there is an opportunity to win a Travis Kelsey signed full-size helmet along with a bunch of other incredible prizes so if you have not signed up for that make sure you guys are following us uh, at kc sports network on twitter instagram tiktok and wherever you can find us to be a part of that and you actually don't have to be at the golf tournament to win so uh you know sam if you want to add that uh, travis kelsey signed element next to that eagles helmet next to you um just to relive the the super bowl you're, you're certainly more than welcome to it although I, I have a feeling that you might pass up on that at least you know for now so you you tease me uh, in, in the previous portion, you had mentioned that there was one quarterback that you think has a chance to lead the NFL in passing yards that was way further down on the board uh, past some of those favorites. So I feel like we have to start there. Uh, who's your guy? Who's that player that you're rolling the dice on uh, as a long shot to go ahead and have the crown for most passing yards in 2023-2024? Yeah, so for me, that quarterback is is Trevor Lawrence. And I think if you're if you're looking for a quarterback that has taken you know a huge step up in the last two years. I think Lawrence really fits that bill. And obviously, getting saddled with Urban Meyer a few years ago, or a couple of years ago, not the best thing for him. But Doug Peterson comes in, puts his he puts his offensive scheme to work, a, a scheme that won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and propelled even Carson Wentz to looking like an actual good quarterback. Uh, you know, Peterson's system is very very strong. And we obviously saw that with Trevor Lawrence last year as he went over um, 4,000 yards for the first time. I think this year he's set to go even further than that. So, you know, I did a thread on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and, you know, it was how do you fade these top these top three, four guys in the regular season most passing yards category? Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, even Kirk Cousins. You know, falls in there because Kirk threw for over 4,300 yards last year. So, and we get down the road to Lawrence, who's sitting on DraftKings at 22 to 1. And one thing really stands out to me none of these guys 
acquired a brand new wide receiver who's already caught uh, 1,300 yards worth of receiving yards in a season before. And that guy just steps right in to, you know, a starting role. Uh, obviously, Zay Jones will take a little bit of a back seat, but Calvin Ridley is a brand new Jacksonville Jaguar. He's obviously hungry. He's got something to prove after the season-long suspension he incurred uh, a year and a half ago for obviously gambling on the NFL. Now that he's back from that, though, he he wants to get the ball rolling. He he wrote a Players Tribune letter um, lat- earlier this year that said, with Trevor Lawrence and in the Jaguars jersey, I'm going for 1,400 yards off the bat. And truthfully, I don't really see a lot of reasons why he can't do it outside of the fact that he hasn't played uh, football in nearly a year and a half. Everything we've heard from Jaguars camp so far has said that Ridley looks explosive. His foot injury is completely healed. He looks like a guy who's got a new lease on his football career. So that's the main thing to deal with this Trevor Lawrence line that I think is a little bit mispriced and probably should be in more in the 15 to one range than the 22 to one range. I, I, I like that line for Lawrence quite a bit. And it's also a nice way to pivot from lines that might be a little bit more inflated because he's a popular quote unquote dark horse MVP pick. Right now, Lawrence at DraftKings, I believe, is 15 to 1 to win NFL MVP, where I, I think it's going to be much stiffer competition at the top mm-hmm. versus the fact that he is going to be throwing the ball quite a ton because the Jaguars' running game situation is predicated on a lot of pass catching backs in that offense as well because of the opportunities that he'll have with multiple receivers. And if Evan Ingram is able to repeat his success from a year ago, they certainly believe so. They just locked in. Uh, Engram to a three-year contract uh, just the other day. I think that's great value. And if you want to even throw a little bit of pizza money further down for another prop for Lawrence, I think you have to consider him for Offensive Player of the Year as well. You can mm-hmm. find him right now anywhere between, uh, I think DraftKings has him at 45 to 1. One book still might have him at 50 to 1. It is an award that quarterbacks can still win. Mm-hmm. If you go back over the last several years, it has been won by skill position players over the last four years, but Mahomes won it in 2018. Matt Ryan won it two years prior in 2016. Cam Newton the year before. Peyton Manning in 2013. So you have four winners over the last 10 years. Is it where it's a quarterback every year? No, but I would say that if Lawrence is putting up monster numbers, but somebody else, whether it be a Jalen Hurts or a Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen is more likely to get that award than Lawrence, I think that's a very good consolation prize, and you're possibly even likely to double that bet as well. Yeah, it's it's a purely statistical award at this point. It's whoever has the best statistical performance um, that you know isn't the MVP candidate. It really should have gone to Jalen Hurts last year, but you know, passing over that, I really just think the Jaguars are set up to a point where they're going to have to pass a lot. Their defense still isn't that great, and looking at their schedule. There's there's six games that I circled where Jacksonville could conceivably pass the ball 45 plus times. KC, Cincy, Detroit, Dallas, the Dolphins, Baltimore. All these games are outside the division and in spots where Lawrence could be just chucking the ball up a ton because these are all games against really good offenses to where he's going to have to throw the ball. And I, I just think with two really solid pass catchers in Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. You have auxiliary options in Evan Ingram and Zay Jones. Uh, and then you have you have uh, um, Travis Etienne as well. 
Tank Bigsby is there. He's an above average pass catcher. There's there's really a lot of options. And so, you know, obviously this would require the top of the board to take a little bit of a step back. It, you know, it's it's an it's an area where Justin Herbert takes a bit of a step back. Mahomes obviously takes a big step back. But other than that, uh, Joe Burrow, we've already seen some analytics that the the Bengals are going to try to throw the ball a little bit less and be a little bit more balanced in the running game. Uh, Josh Allen doesn't have a wide receiver two at this point to where we could conceivably bet him for this number. Even Kirk Cousins is, could you know see some growing pains with newly new wide receiver Jordan Addison. And I already took an under on Dak Prescott, so I don't think he's a threat either. Listen, anytime you go from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy, the under feels mm-hmm. very much in play. Um, Dallas, I think they're going to be careful with with what they wish for uh, with, with Kellen Moore going out of town. Whether or not, yeah, we we had uh, Kate Majuk on the show very early on. We were talking about Kellen Moore going to um, to LA and how it's really exciting for you know the prospect of what Justin Herbert that offense will be able to do. But you still have Brandon Staley driving the bus and leading the way to which she said it doesn't really matter how nice of a car you have if you're a shitty driver then ultimately it really doesn't matter so it'll be a fascinating case study as to what happens with the chargers for this season yeah. which brings me sort of into another element here when it comes to looking at quarterbacks obviously we know the mvp award is essentially a quarterback award it's probably not changing anytime soon but Regarding anybody else on your props list for the season, specific to the quarterback position, uh, what are the bets you like, and and do any still offer value heading into the start of training game? Yeah, so the one that I took a few months ago and has pretty much zero, un- unfortunately zero value, but it is one of my favorite bets I've made so far this season was betting Anthony Richardson to be the offensive rookie of the year at uh, at nine to one odds, and I, I took that back in late May, I want to say. Um, and obviously it's predicated on him start. It's, it's not, it's not necessarily predicated on him starting the year. It is predicated on him finishing the year. Um, I think he can get away with it if he, if he doesn't start the first few games, but I would like to see him play as much as possible. And obviously I need to see him finish the season for him to have a chance at winning it. But we're talking about a quarterback in Richardson that obviously is the most athletic quarterback to ever attend the combine. He has a chance to lead the league in rushing yards from the quarterback position, given you know um, what we've seen from the Indianapolis offensive line over the past few years. And he gets a co- he gets a coach in Shane Steichen, who's just looking for his next version of Jalen Hurts. And that's that's what Anthony Richardson is. He's a more powerful from an you know, arm strength standpoint, taller Jalen Hurts. I mean, the two are are really quite similar given where they came out of college. Uh, Hertz was kind of viewed as a little bit of a game manager, but that wasn't really that accurate. That's exactly what Richardson is viewed as right now. I think Richardson's going to turn out to be a better passer than Jalen Hurts, and I think Steichen's a good person to kind of help with those mechanics. He definitely helped with Justin Herbert when he was in uh, L.A., and he obviously played a decent part in Jalen Hurts last year in Philadelphia. I really think Anthony Richardson, if he's able to pass for at least 2,800 yards, he gets at least 22, 23 passing touchdowns, and he has 600-plus rushing yards, I think there's a really possible outcome where he's the offensive rookie of the year, and it'll really help if the Colts 
kind of get back. They're in a you know a semi weak division. I don't think the Jaguars are quite as strong as we think they are from an offensive standpoint. Yes, from a defensive standpoint, I'm still quite wary. Obviously, there's tons of questions with the Titans. You know how they'll look despite signing DeAndre Hopkins earlier this week. So the Colts kind of fit in there as a team that could contend. And if they realize right away that they're contending and they play Richardson instead of Gardner Minshew, which I think would be a terrible idea for them, I think Richardson will have a real good chance to ball out. I like the call on Richardson a lot. And I, I still think there might be a couple of books where you can find some decent value on him. Um, I, I got in on Bijan at around five to one. Uh, gotcha. Jordan Addison is another dart throw that I have at uh, at 18 to one this year, just because he's going directly into that Adam Thielen wheel. Yeah where Thielen for years was successful. And I bring up Adam Thielen because I actually just heard him do an interview uh, on the Levitard show from Lake Tahoe talking about his rationale behind signing in Carolina and that at this point in his career, he is Super Bowl chasing. Now, you can certainly make the argument that Carolina doesn't necessarily reflect that. And you can then say, no, you're just saying the right thing. He's trying to chase the money. Um, but he was very, very specific in the direction of the coaching staff and what they think of Bryce Young and the other skill position players around him with their defense and with some of the other veterans that they signed, that even right now, Bryce Young at 5-1, to one, yeah, it sucks to bet the favorite on the board, but I do think at that number, it's still worth considering if you buy into the fact that Carolina, also in a weak division, um, could come out and, and actually surprise some people with the type of staff that they've compiled this year. So again, it's not necessarily a sexy pick, and, and Richardson at that number, I, I certainly like more. Um, but And I'll be rooting, by the way, for the Panthers to have a miserable season. So it's really kind of an emo bet for me as a Bears fan, uh, because Chicago gets that number one pick next year. But right. I do think that with Bijan and Bryce, th- those, certainly, those guys are in play purely based on volume and amount of time. With Richardson, it sounds like they want to get him on the field right away, which would be very ideal and conducive to this award. But if he sits for a few games... Uh, that could be a, a bit of a concern as well. Uh, let's let's move on from the quarterback spots, skill position players, and then we'll guide into some other team props. Uh, tell me a few of your favorites, whether it comes to, uh, you mentioned Offensive Rookie of the Year already, but what about others involving passing touchdowns or receiving yards or anything along those clear skill position plays, whether it be overs, unders, uh, what are the ones that maybe you like the most? Yeah, I have one that's pretty unsexy. Is it comes from a player, you're not really going to see that much, but uh, it's a Denver pass catcher. It's Tim Patrick and the under on his receiving yards set at 540 and a half. Um, I took it on underdog, but I think you could also find it on DraftKings at the same number, minus 120. And uh, really for me, this, this is a volume uh, question more than anything. I just don't think there's enough passing volume to go around. Even in a Sean Payton offense, I think being the arguable fifth option in a passing offense, you know, you go behind your your go be you're behind Judy, you're behind Sutton, you're behind Greg Dolchitz, you're behind newly drafted rookie Marvin Mims, most likely. And Patrick's coming off an ACL tear last year. We've seen, you know, a lot of data that suggests in year one, uh, wide receivers don't really have that explosive ability back. They're not able to cut as well quite yet. Patrick was a downfield receiver. Uh will be he be able to run those run those downfield routes as quickly? Uh, coming off the ACL right away. So my question there is, is more of a volume thing. You know, how it just depends how much volume he gets 
in this scenario. And I, I don't know if there's that much of a, uh, of a rapport with Russell Wilson yet at this point. So those are, that's one prop I'm really looking at. And then another one I really liked was David Njoku to go over three and a half receiving touchdowns. And this is another one that I took over on underdog as well. Uh, so, so the lines are flat over there. Everything kind of counts as a minus one ten, but the joke I really like, it, it might be one of my favorite bets I placed this this offseason, despite the fact that it's an over, because I really think he's in a great position in Cleveland right now. They want to pass the ball now that Deshaun Watson's had a full offseason to get acclimated to the system. He's obviously not coming off the suspension this year. Watson threw to Najoku in the red zone 20 times last year. That ranked second in the NFL. Uh, and Najoku was only able to convert eight or nine of them because he was Watson was just off at points. And I, I'm betting on I'm a huge Watson believer for fantasy football this year. I'm betting on a on a big, big comeback from that entire offensive unit. I think with a full season offseason to acclimate and Watson to get used to the receivers everything like that, I think things are going to run much smoother this year for him. And I, I don't really think that's baked into the price that well yet. He's hit this over in each of the last two seasons. And I really just feel like Najoku is going to be a key cog in this offense. I'm not even I'm not even using the fact that they signed Elijah Moore and drafted Cedric Tillman in this analysis because I think Watson, as a red zone weapon, falls ahead of each of them in the packing order. And he might—he's pretty close to Amari Cooper's red zone value as well. I, I love the Njoku play, and shout out to uh, to Dynasty Dad FF on Twitter as I was scrolling through trying to find a, a juicy nugget on Njoku. He ranked 11th in the NFL of pass catchers with over 20 targets inside the 20-yard line, and 25% of his total targets were in the red zone. So yep. you're right. This is a guy that Watson—that's his first read right now. Probably likely anywhere between him and Cooper. Um, being able to try and find that number one option in the red zone. And as long the thing for Njoku has always been whether or not he can stay on the field. If he's remaining on the field, Watson's going to look his way and it's going to elevate what his what he's able to do. The three and a half, I, I think, is far too low. And I'm probably going to tail that. Uh, literally, the from the moment that uh, this show closes up, uh, I really, really like that play on the board. As we transition, final one of the day, and you've been awesome with your time. It's been great to be able to have you on the program today. Tell me about any team props that you might have circled, whether it be win totals, whether it be uh, division odds. It can even be uh, you know, your pick to, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, which on that list for, for overall season-long props uh, do you believe uh, is probably your favorite or two on the board? Yeah, so I went with, I'll go with a team prop, a, a, division, a division winner prop in this one. And it's a little bit of a long shot. It's one of those bets that, you know, probably has about a 40% chance of happening, but the implied odds are so much shorter based on the number that you're getting at this point. And I have to see, cause I got it in, I got it in March and I, I took it, you know, very, very early. It was four and a half to one when I took it and on DraftKings, it's now down to plus line 195. So cheer one for CLV there, but the Seahawks to win the NFC West, um, I think is is a bet that you know obviously people have started to catch on to now as the as the months have come by, but it's still probably my one of my favorite futures bets I've made this off season. And the reason I made it all the way back in March is because I thought so many things were looking up 
for this Seahawks team. And the the market wasn't really buying in. Obviously, there was so much, uh, you know, uncertainty around Geno Smith. What, what would they do with him? Would they draft a quarterback in the draft? They obviously did not end up doing that. They gave Geno the $35 million a year contract. They went ahead and signed or drafted Jackson Smith the Jigba. Um, they brought back pieces of the defense. They obviously brought back Bobby Wagner to serve for one last time. So I really liked all that. Also, I'm not a huge believer in the 49ers. There's obviously still a good chance that they win the division, but that no quarterback thing really, really bugs me the wrong way now that teams have had a full offseason to really get used to Brock Purdy, uh, and they, they know what they're getting with him. They know what, what they're getting when they go up against Trey Lance, who I, I at this point I just don't believe is in the 49ers' plans at all for 2023. I, I think they probably tried to move him and couldn't. And then obviously Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. As soon as the guy steps on the field, he'll probably see ghosts. So the Seahawks to me represented a really, really attractive um, a dog that they just were not being respected at all. Um, alternately, I think if you wanted to grab the Rams at 10 to one, that's not the worst bet either. Yes. The defense will not be good, but I don't think anybody's taken into account that Matthew Stafford is fully healthy. Cooper cup is fully healthy. Sean McVay is bought in for at least one more season. I, I think this, this offense could really kind of buoy, uh, a lot of, a lot of, issues with the defense and if the if the 49ers take a big enough step back and the the Seahawks kind of plateau a little bit the Rams could kind of sneak their way in there and at 10 to 1 that's that's a big big number for a team and obviously I'm going to go along with you I think the Panthers are a really good bet at 4 to 1 to win the NFC South I think they have the best quarterback in the division already that's pretty remarkable given that he has not taken one step on an NFL field, but it makes sense. And you are, can you argue it though? I mean, no, Derek Carr is so Derek no. Carr is just Derek Carr. He's just, he's kind of seems like a guy at this point. Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton played plenty well, uh, last season. Uh, he played arguably better than Derek Carr did in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was a rough year. Now you could make the argument that, um, you know, moving on and moving into McDaniels and him not having any sort of sense of how to operate without Tom Brady is, is certainly one aspect of it. But that's fair. Yeah. Um, but Dennis Allen is similarly a very bad coach. Yes. No, I I'm I'm not disagreeing with you there as well. I'm looking at the Rams because it's funny that you bring up the Rams as we close things out. Um our mutual friend Adam Rosenberg was was on the show and he talked about the Rams back when they were at 7-1, is one of his favorite plays. I tailed that, and now I see the odds at, at 10. Um, I may have to to jump on there a little bit more, add to that bet, because you're right. Stafford is more than capable of putting up really good numbers. Cop yeah, he can, carry, he can carry a team and kind of negate a lot of issues on that defense. No doubt. And if they play well enough that they just outscore... I mean, that's what the Chiefs have done the last couple of seasons, you know, without a, a very stellar D. They've just scored more than everybody else. Yeah. You know, you know, obviously Matthew Stafford is not Patrick Mahomes, but if he can kind of get back to the level he played in 2021, the sky's the limit with them. Yeah, and and let's also remember, too, the NFC is not the uh, the juggernaut conference that uh, maybe we, we once remember. There's certainly some quality teams in the east and uh talked about you know teams like seattle that can make a run 
uh, in the West. So obviously the Rams have some chance as well. If you want to maybe take a safer bet, the Rams to just make the playoffs are at three to one. So yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's great. Is it as juicy as winning the division? No, but they just need a spot in. You have seven spots. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, the, the Arizona's atrocious. If the 49ers struggle without consistency at the quarterback spot, that allows teams like Seattle and LA to maybe make a move. I, I think that's probably where I'm probably going to go here after that 7-1 bet, but the number is really good and the number is really juicy as well. Um, he's the swag man. Sam Wagman, kind enough to stop by here on Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Please make sure you guys are following him at swagman95 or the aforementioned swagman95 on Twitter and across the different social platforms. You can read his work over at the Game Day HQ. Check him out over at Football Guys and High Floor Football as well. This is a treat, man. I appreciate you making time for us and uh, filling us with your your optimism and enthusiasm and your knowledge uh, ahead of the start of the season. It's, it's great to feel like football is finally in the air. So love the fact you're able to join us today and I appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. This was, this was an absolute blast. I'm glad we got to hang out here for an hour. Absolutely. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.